Welcome back to the You Can Too podcast. On today's show, we have Alex Mathers on the show. Alex is a creator, an online creator, an author, a coach, an illustrator, a prolific writer, and I'm so stoked to have you on this episode today, man. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. Great to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm grateful to have you on. I want to start off with a, it might be a, a loaded question, but I want to know, what is your mission in life? That's a tricky one to dive straight in on. You've given me a, a, tough, a tough one to play with here. Um, I'd say my mission is something that constantly changes. And I, I recently made peace with the idea that it will constantly change. I don't think there's any one sentence that I can happily say, this is it verbalizing, you know, word for word, what my mission is. But I also realized that <clears throat> for me, what's important is as long as I'm energized in the stuff that I'm doing, that's a pretty good indication to me that I'm doing the right thing. And I, I'm in alignment with the stuff that I should be doing. So for me, it's kind of like a, it's like a non-written mission. If I, if I'm doing stuff and it makes me come to life doing it, I feel good about it. And if I feel right about it in my gut, then I know that I'm doing something right. Um, I know that hasn't really answered your question properly, but that for me is something that I think a lot of people miss. It's like that they're looking for a mission and they're, and they're struggling writing it down, trying to get the, the wordage just right. I would say go out into the world and create stuff and do stuff and help people and see what connects with you, what resonates with you you'll tend to find that the stuff that feels good is, is, is you on a mission. I love it. I love it. I think that, like you said, a lot of people focus too much on their mission, but, but instead of the actions that are going to make them feel most alive. Right. I think yeah. with creation online, I found a lot of enjoyment and fulfillment in just creating in itself. And I want to know what got you into, I know that you started off as an illustrator. What got you into the creator world to begin with? Uh, I think it was just out of curiosity. I, I, I'd always loved uh, making art and drawing growing up. So that was always kind of with me, that that sort of natural instinct and urge to to want to create stuff and be expressive with art. Um, and then I just sort of fell into it through an interest that developed in wanting to make a passive income online. I'd been reading Tim Ferriss and stuff like that decades ago now and was curious to see and, and take what I currently had in terms of my skills and turn that into passive income in some way. So I, so I, so I figured that because I liked art, I like to draw. Maybe there's a way I can take my drawings and my illustrations and find a way to make some money online that way. This is kind of in the earlier days of the, the internet as well. So things weren't quite as efficient and smooth as they are now. And I discovered uh, <clears throat> iStock Photo, which is a kind of uh, stock photography website where you're able to, as a photographer or an illustrator, upload artwork and photography and make money off royalties made through sales made on that platform. So I noticed that that was working. So I continued down that route and just uploaded a ton of stuff, ended up uploading like 350 plus illustrations and, and making some decent money that way. So I just sort of, sort of fell into illustration and doing more of it through that route. Yeah, and I, you, you got really good at, I wanna, I wanna say accepting less than perfection because you're, you're someone that's posting continuous <laughs> threads and I'll say prolific threads almost every single day. How did you get so used to not only accepting that imperfection, but getting really used to creating so much? Like, because you just have ideas on ideas. Yeah, I think what you're seeing with the threads that have come out in the last year is a sort of um, coming to terms for me uh, with how creativity works and how there's a lot of kind of frustration and, and flopped results that are wrapped into that process and things that don't always work and me being okay with that. This is certainly not the kind of early stages of my creative process being shown to the world. I've been through many years of 
blogging and, and creating stuff and sharing stuff online and going through periods of frustration and seeing, you know, a lack of results and wanting to quit many, many times. But this, I guess this year of stringing together, you know, 200 plus threads is just a reflection of being okay with, you know, winning and losing as kind of wrapped up into that process. So yeah, it hasn't always been that easy. And I've been doing a lot of writing and stuff well before the thread stuff. And I've been on Twitter, for example, since 2008 or something ridiculous. Um, so the, the tweets have really been adding up. So I've, I've done tons of it in the past and I've, I've had this experience of coming up with an idea and, and, uh, you know, considering whether I should post it online and being nervous about posting it online and then doing it and then seeing, you know, crickets or some, some interest and continuing on regardless. So, so 10 years ago, there might've been a, a, an article I shared that didn't do very well, that put me off creating for a couple of days or, or a week or two. But now if it doesn't do well, I continue on, you know, despite the pain. <laughs> right, right. That, that, that allowing the imperfection is something that when I started my creator journey and really becoming a coach was the only thing that I allowed myself to accept was I had to post at least once a day. Cause that was my standard for success. It wasn't getting this amount of likes or getting this, but it was just acting. Was there what kind of belief? <laughs> was there a belief that you had to let go of in order for you to create so much content to where you are today? Um, yeah, I think a lot of it is about letting go of beliefs because there's a lot of stories that we tell ourselves around, you know, where we sit as people, as personalities in the context of creating stuff. We can often say to ourselves, you know, I'm not this kind of person. I'm no good at this. I'm, I'm better at this. You know, all these stories that we come up with based on experiences and, you know, very loose memories over time, we have these thoughts and beliefs and patterns of thinking that can dictate how we do stuff. And a lot of it gets in the way. And um, a lot of us believe those essentially lies that we tell ourselves in the form of thoughts, because we have to remember thought might seem very real when we think it in the moment, but it's it's only ever a, a concept, it's only ever a floaty idea. And so if we're believing in a floaty idea that says we shouldn't do this, or we shouldn't do that, then we're just basically acting on lies, which is ridiculous. So understanding that is a really important starting point. Um, and once you see that that's what's going on in our minds, we're basically kind of following illusions, then we can carry on and create, you know, regardless. I'm not sure if I answered the question there, though. No, you did. I'm excited to get into the beliefs and the stories that we tell ourselves. Cause that's something that I think we, we match a lot with. Was there, yeah. for me, I think I want to say that think and grow rich was the first moment in time where I realized that like our thoughts really create not only our reality, but our experience on the earth. Was there a book or was there a moment in time where it shifted for you when you realized that the story that you were telling yourself was not fact, but rather it was exactly what I just said there, a, a story. Yeah. I don't think it would have happened overnight. I think it was for me, it was a case of um, getting very interested in personal development books and business books and just reading and, you know, absorbing information, particularly yeah. in my twenties and, and basically just sort of stitching together lots of little bits and pieces of information that I've been gathering from books and slowly organically, I guess, taking on a new perspective and realizing with more and more evidence that this is obviously true, that we are guided by these kind of beliefs that aren't necessarily real that I think through accumulation, it clicked with me and it doesn't always, it doesn't mean that, you know, I think for me, it's like a habit. It's a habit of, of thinking that means that you can spend more of the time, not 
wrapped up in your thoughts. It's that you're never going to lose your thinking entirely. You're never going to lose that e egoic side of you who, you know, is high pressure. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's a constant practice, just like anything else, you know, you've got to keep the muscle going. And, and I think the muscle for mental resilience and strength is, is understanding that our thoughts can get in the way and recognizing when they do and chilling the hell out when they appear, right. And returning back to whatever you're doing. Yeah, it absolutely is a continual process. And that's, I'm, I'm glad you answered that way. Cause I want to dive into what are the practices for you that allow you to, like you said there, create that evidence, create that proof that allows you to step into that identity of, you know, the, the author, the, the person that you are today. You pretty much answered the question there. <laughs> that's essentially what it is. I think a lot of people, they, they get frightened by their own thinking and they think that they need to spend lots and lots of time in their thoughts, analyzing their thoughts and going back into the past and all that kind of stuff that can be helpful here and there. But, I think ultimately what really helps is understanding, yeah, the nature of thinking and how it interrelates with identity and how mm -hmm. that interrelates in turn with action. So if we are doing things that, um, you know, correlate with a certain identity, we're going right. to believe in that identity and we're going to kind of continue that loop forward. So for example, we might initially have a thought that says I'm lazy. And then we might follow up that thought by acting lazy, kind of mm -hmm. sitting about on the sofa all day, right? Not doing much. And that will in turn reinforce the identity, which is another thought that we are lazy because we've seen that we've just been sitting about doing nothing. And so we end up kind of spiraling into this lazy identity that continually reaffirms lazy action. So the way out of that is to forget about thought for a moment and just jump straight into the kinds of actions you know you need to be taking if you want to reach your goals. So that starts with identifying what it is you want to create in the world. I think that's a great starting point. It's like, what would I love to create? What kinds of projects do I want to bring into the world? And then thinking a bit, reflecting on what kinds of actions match up to the kind of person who creates those goals, who right. reaches those goals. And then, and then just moving into action, starting to thread together habits. Mm -hmm. Is there any, and I guess my question was a little misconstrued. Was it, was it more so in the sense of, are there any practices or habits that you have that are just foundational and, and that kind of reinforce you? Cause it is a continual process, but what are the things that you do on a continuous basis that make you to who you are? Yeah, I think it was valuable that I brought that stuff in because that's for me been a great starting point. And I think it'd be helpful for most people. So just just understanding how identity works is going to feed into what you decide to do because I think what you decide to do is going to be very much down to how you do things, right? It's going to be down to your your own innate intelligence guiding you through. Once once you have that clarity, once you're not overwhelmed by your own thinking too much and you understand how things work you're going to much more likely have insights come up around what you need to be doing. But in terms of what I do, well, I try not to think about things too much as I once did. You know, I, I would spend a lot of time in the past kind of worrying about stuff unnecessarily. Yeah. I still do a bit of that, but I am quicker nowadays to sort of notice when I'm doing that kind of stuff and realizing that it isn't working for me because I don't feel very good. If I, if I feel stressed and anxious and worried about stuff, I know that I'm probably doing too much thinking about whatever it is that's worrying me. And yeah. I, I know through the feeling that that isn't working. So 
in that instance, I will do what I know always work, which is to get back into creating stuff. You know, it might, it might start with just cleaning the kitchen or something. If I'm really down, I'll just do something constructive, right? Tidy up the bed, clean the kitchen, stuff like that. And then, then I'm kind of in that identity of a doer again, right? Like I'm doing stuff. I'm an action taker. It doesn't need to be that I take on something com complicated and crazy to, to know that I, I am that identity. You can start off really simple. Yeah. Um, so I guess it depends on like how, how high up on that mood ladder are you? If you're really depressed, then just focus on the really simple stuff like, you know, tying your shoelaces and brushing your teeth. Right. Yeah. And then, and then you sort of work your way up. So it really depends on where you are mood wise. And for me, if I'm feeling, you know, I, I don't need to be feeling perfect, but I'll do things like writing and creating anything creative or fitness or going for a walk, um, brainstorming something. Those are my go-to habits that get me back in the flow of kind of upward creative spiral. Yeah. Well, walks are like my foundation. If on, on Instagram, I probably posted once a day of like going to walk. It's like, it's like what I'm known yeah. for everybody in any capacity. It, it, it was the thing that for me, when I struggled sleeping growing up, it was like two in the morning, I'm going on a walk. I'm getting mm -hmm. out of my head. And it's like, it kind of goes back to that. I would be in my thoughts. And the only way past that is to, to act. Right. And that, that was something for me. When, when it came to, to, to business and to where you are today, was there a belief or what kind of beliefs did you have to let go of in order to succeed in business? Because I know that beliefs are really big in, in stepping into that next identity. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it's obviously going to vary for a lot of people, but there, there, there's definitely a handful that most of us can grow up with. Like a lot of, I suppose there are different types of beliefs. You've got the kind of the ones that come about through your own personal experiences and struggles. Definitely. Uh, maybe you were bullied at school or something and somebody said something and you, and you took that as, as truth yeah. and you'd have that belief about yourself that could hold you back. Or it could be kind of more societally programmed stuff like, you know, making money is somehow a bad thing, things like that, yeah. which could be a tough one for a lot of people. You know, if they're trying to build a business and they have this belief floating around in their head that says business is bad and money is evil, you're going to really struggle because there's going to be this constant conflict. And, and that's the power of beliefs. You can, you can, a belief can stop you doing stuff. Yeah. And that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> and a belief, a belief is a thought. It's ridiculous. It's amazing. It's not ridiculous. It's very normal. Everybody has these things, but a belief can be powerful enough to throw off your, you know, the entire trajectory of where you could go in life and yeah. stop you, stop you doing stuff. But you know this. But yeah, <laughs> but I, I like, it's the reason this podcast that you can't do podcast because our beliefs create our reality, right? Like I I've always lived by the idea that belief drives behavior, right? And behavior drives results and results go back right into our identity. And then it creates more belief that we are this or we are not this. And yeah. that's why I think action has become our default. Right. And mm -hmm. a lot of people to some extent aren't really aware that our beliefs really create not only our reality, but how we perceive ourselves and, and how we take action in the world. And I think that for me, when I started my business, I had a lot of imposter syndrome beliefs that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't worthy of doing this at 17 years old, starting a business. There's a lot of beliefs that are there, right? For, for yep. you to, to succeed in business, what beliefs did you had to unlearn in order to succeed in business to where you are today? Yeah, I would say to get specific, that's yeah. tricky. I mean, I think a, a big one for me was the kind of, um, the resi resistance you'd feel when you share something 
and either either people don't respond or you have this this internal worry that you're going to be rejected for the thing right you're going to face some kind of criticism or negative feedback that tends to be the big one for a lot of people because business is ultimately about you know revealing yourself your products your services to the world uh, where it's going to be open to some kind of scrutiny you know some kind of uh, criticism potentially or, or even just you know approaching a potential client could result in somebody saying no and i think a lot of people get caught up in that kind of stuff and they allow their businesses to struggle because they associate uh receiving a no from someone or a negative comment or whatever it is which is so important if you if you're to succeed with content if you're to succeed with getting clients whatever it is you have to be okay with people seeing your stuff and potentially being mean about it yeah but i think a lot of people get hung up on and and including myself in the past which is what held me back from doing a lot of stuff was that if somebody says no to me or someone rejects what i do it's about me so i think the belief that's wrapped up in that is receiving a rejection from someone will decrease my self-worth mm -hmm. um if you can help people out with that one you've eradicated like 95 percent of the world's problems <laughs> being rejected by another human will decrease my self-worth is that true absolutely not but every, a lot of people think that it's true and so if you go around thinking that that's true, then you're going to be protective over your receiving of rejections. Because if you think that a rejection is going to lower your self-worth, whatever that means, well, then you're going to be really worried about getting yourself out there. Yeah. In, in a definite... Uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, well, yeah, carry on. It, it definitely will hurt you if you let it hurt you, right? Like, if you believe that to be true, it's going to hurt you. Um, and, and unlearning that belief is something that I think like you said, a lot of people have to do. And I think even, especially when it comes to content, when it comes to accepting imperfection, making action your default, there's a lot less of resistance going to be there if you make it a habit of doing so, right? I think that you've you've been able to, I, I listened to the podcast with you and Steven, and pretty much you said that people are curious how you're able to create so much content, how you come out with threads so frequently. And it's like, they think that because you're coming out with more, you'd think that there'd be less ideas there. But no, instead... Yeah when you're doing more, more are there because you're, you create the habit of doing it. Right. Yeah. And it, it's, it's so impactful in it. And it's, it's such a, it's, it's prolific the way that you're able to really like go through your thoughts through that way. What do you think? Are there any skills or any character traits? Do you think that have been really a big part of your success? Um, I think it's probably, I mean, if we're looking over a, you know, 15 plus, time span i think it's about staying in the game and whatever is entailed in that so a lot of people will try something and then move on to the next thing move on to the next thing and i have done a bit of that but i have tended to there is there is a common thread of staying with basically having an idea and, and writing it down and sharing it with the world i mean that's pretty been my kind of bread and butter main thing as i've gone along i've taken on various projects and i've done different types of products and that kind of stuff but generally the thread has remained uh, of just sharing stuff online and slowly but surely building an audience that way and being okay with a lot of rejection and a lot of dialogue that goes in my head through this whole process is around what other people think mm -hmm. like it's a big concern for many it's like you know i, I want to make people 
happy. I want people to enjoy the stuff that I share. So I'm, I'm often thinking about that kind of stuff. And when somebody comes in and uh, disagrees with what I'm saying, that's what obviously going to be on my mind as well. So I think a lot of my ability to stay with the game is to effectively kind of self-coach myself through the ups and downs of interacting with the outside world's responses to what I do. Um, and I think a big part of that is being is finding a way to be okay with um, things not always going right in how they're felt by other people. And to go deeper on that, I'd say what's really helped me is understanding that when things don't go right, it's useful information for me. Like I, I just, you know, you kind of flip it into a positive. Yeah. And, and when you are willing to look for the positive, you'll find it. It's like, well, what does it mean if, if a load of people get really angry about a post that I shared? Well, it means that your stuff is polarizing, which is going to lead to a more loyal audience audience on one side, potentially a few angry people on the other side, but it tends to tighten up the, the quality, maybe not quality, but the, I suppose it tightens up your audience, right? So that they're more aligned to the stuff that you share and you're not just sort of sharing stuff randomly to lots of different people who kind of like it, but don't love it. Right. Yeah. It kind of goes back to the quote, like if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Right. And if, if, you're, if you're able to be, like I said, you, I think the, the best word I can use is prolific in, in, in your writing is, is that's why people come to you. It's why you have over a hundred thousand followers and that's why you've been able to stay con so consistent in it is because you know, you're making an impact. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's important to keep in the forefront when, when you first started, what was the driving force or the motivation for you to begin in, in writing? Cause I know that you, you've wrote multiple books. I know that the, the curiosity is a big aspect of it, but I know mental health is a big aspect for, for you and, and your writing. Did that have an impact on it? And, and yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I would say a few things contributed to, you know, the decisions I've made around why I wanted to keep writing and, and write in the first place right. it was never really just the one thing, but you know, the more I've written, the more, benefits I've seen come from it in, in many ways, you know, as you say, growth and self-confidence, and it's good for my own mental health, just, just having stuff that I'm writing and sharing. I'm not keeping everything to myself. I think that would be difficult for me. Yeah. Um, you know, building an audience, all that kind of stuff. I, I see it also as a, a kind of a long-term asset building thing. Like I see it as an, as an investment. I see writing as kind of like, um, dropping a few pennies into a piggy bank every day. You know, it's like, there's something growing there that, that I'm contributing to that I think will, um, over the years return to me in the form of uh, lots of value, which I'm already seeing, you know, like just friendships made and podcasts like this and support that I'm, that I'm gathering and, and, and obviously financial support and all that kind of stuff, making this into a, a viable business, all, all that stuff. So yeah, many, many good reasons. And I think that's, that's really key for a writer to, continually remind themselves of if you're in the writing game or the content creation game, you want to be continually reminding yourself of all the good reasons why you're doing it so that you get out of bed in the morning, excited to, to do it. Yeah. Like you said in the beginning, it's, you do work like what success is probably for you is just doing something that energizes you rather than drains you. Right. When you wake up in the day and you're excited to wake up because you get to do something, it's rather the actions, not the results that, that keep you going. Right. Yeah. Is there a, is there a North star for you? What, what, where are you trying to get to, or is it just continuously putting those pennies in the piggy bank? 
Well, I think what you just said, I think speaks to um, not necessarily, I mean, I, th I think the North Star, if we had to identify one, it would be to continually enjoy what I'm doing in the process, right? That's, that's the, the North Star. If I had any one out specific outcome that everything was conditional on, I would have bowed out of the game a long time ago because I would be constantly measuring what I was doing against this long-term objective, right? So for me, the objective is to try and enjoy most of my days of the week. <laughs> and if that's not happening, then something needs to be recalibrated a little bit. I need to remind myself of why, I guess, who I'm writing for and, and, and all the reasons within it that I'm doing it. But I don't think there's any one reason. Um, and if there is, I want to talk to the guy who knows it. Like, <laughs> It'll always be, I, I guess it's definitely helpful. Yes. To have like a handful of goals, perhaps that you're looking at, you know, maybe there's a specific product or a book that you're writing that you want to have a deadline attached to that's going to happen by a certain time. Those kinds of things are, are useful as tools to keep you going, but nothing takes away from the power of that daily energy that comes out of the process. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like I like to see, like you said, there's I think goals are guidelines, nothing more. Like yeah. I, I'm I'm more of a growth minded individual than I am on goals because I've always loved. I, I, I'm a fan of Benjamin Hardy, and there's a quote that he says that I've just loved so much, and it says that happiness becomes a burden when you have to go out and get it. When you're trying to go get something, a desire is just a contract you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get what you want, like Naval says. And it's just that idea that you're reaching for something in the future is just going to stop you from doing the actions you need to do today to get there, right? Totally, yeah. When, when you think of that person that you are trying to impact, I know that we are in the same in the sense of we're helping creators and, and creatives even. Um, what does What is your biggest, I guess you could say, impact on them or what are you really trying to to give to them, if that makes sense. I think it's just imparting to them the moments that I'm experiencing in my own process that are working for me. And that tends to be, um, for me, what's working is, well, it's always, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an energy thing for the most part. If things aren't working energy wise, then I know that something's not in alignment. And I like to pass that kind of stuff on. I want to, you know, the thing that makes me the happiest, if I was to coach somebody or coach a group or to create a product, the thing that's most important for me in terms of the outcome of that product is, you know, it's that sense of satisfaction of being lifted, of being brought to life. It might sound a little bit cheesy, but for me, that is, that's the, the epitome stuff. So I, I guess if you, if you're looking for something that's driving me, it's that, and I, that, that tends to be the thing that has, has kind of repeatedly come up again and again is just knowing that I'm bringing other people to life, you know, through the work that they're doing and, and encouraging them to create more so that the cycle continues, you know, they keep creating, keep having an impact on the world. And in, in so doing they're brought to life as well. I like that. I think that's what a lot of creative work is, right? Like when, when we're able to do that, I think a lot of our, our, the way we hold ourselves back for the most part is we just don't take action because of, you know, the opinions of others or the, the idea of ourself, was yeah. there a way that when you first started, was there a habit that you got used to that really helped you kind of drop the opinions of others or the rejection and kind of get used to accepting that? And even today. Say, and this, it's good to drill down on this one because this is, this is the thing, isn't it? This is the one, this is the Absolutely. big one. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the habit, if there is a habit, that helps people move past the concern they have for what other people think? Mm-hmm. And I'd say... I've written about this before. For me, it's 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 cultivating a a stoicism around it. It's cultivating a, a gap. It's cultivating a, a kind of distance, a healthy distance between who you think you are. And this is getting a little bit philosophical and deep here. I love it. I love but it. It's, cre- it's cre- there's like I call it the gap. So it's like if somebody triggers you or if something triggers you and you're um you respond to it with anger immediately instantly you you haven't cultivated any there's no gap between that initial stimulation and your response and what's happening there is that you're seeing something happening in your periphery somebody said something you had a thought about what it was i.e an interpretation in your mind's eye so you had a a vision came up in the form of a thought and that thought was something along the lines of what that person did to me was disrespectful and terrible and, and, and unjust. And so you respond in anger to that thing. And the people who really struggle and the people who kind of tend to fly off the handle and then, you know, they have emotional problems in terms of just being too wrapped up in their emotions right. tend to have cultivated a very small gap, i.e., zero time to zero space in between that stimulation and and response so i'd say if you if you want to get better at how you handle your concerns about what other people think you want to cultivate the habit of taking a breath basically when somebody says something or does something triggering and the more the more you do that the more you cultivate that it's kind of like a habit again mm-hmm. the you're, you're, you're sort of feeding that into that identity. Again, you're also, you're, you're def- designing an identity of someone who doesn't give an, an F that's what, that's, that's the kind of person you're becoming when people describe it, when people describe other people as he, he doesn't seem to give a, an F about what other people think it's, it's describing somebody who's, who has cultivated that gap mm-hmm. created space. And it's in, in simple terms, cultivating a calmness in the face of a triggering right yeah <laughs> absolutely there, there's a uh one of my favorite books of all time and it's um breaking the habit of being yourself by joe dispenza i don't know that one interesting oh oh you're talking all right so i'm gonna give you a, a quick rundown because it sounds a lot like what you just said mm-hmm. but we for so long and i think this is something it's it really it sucks for a lot of people that are you know older that they've they've identified themselves as some kind of person for so long that like energetically in their body, that's who they are. And so when they try to be someone else, when they try to act in a different way, they always go back to what they're comfortable with, with who they perceive themselves to be. And so the change they want to make in them in their life is almost, it's not, it's not able to happen because they only identify as that kind of person. And like you said, there, the ability to take a breath, and take a different perspective, see yourself in a different light is exactly what's going to allow you to, you know, achieve the life that you want to do the things you want to do. Because when mm-hmm. you're able to see yourself in a different light and not only 
look at yourself through that lens, but actually feel as though you are that kind of person. I know you made a post on this not too long ago of instead of reaching for your goals, see yourself as the person who's already achieved them. It's kind of that ideology of feel the emotions though you've already achieved your goal. And when you do that, you're going to reach the energetic level you need to be at to actually achieve that goal, right? Yeah. And I think there's a quote from about confidence in itself. And it's not that you are, you need to be the best person in the room, but it's that you don't need to compare yourself against anybody in the room. And that's what true mm -hmm. self-confidence is, right? Yeah. And probably even against yourself as well in that, in that equation, there's, there's yeah. no one you need to compare yourself against. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, and I think this idea of, of, um, kind of being, you know, figuring out who you need to be to reach your goals before, right. before you start getting too wound up in the goals themselves. I think that's really important, but I think a lot of people will start thinking about how do I, how do I intellectualize this? How do I intellectualize my identity? And a lot of people will, will go into, um, visualization and that, that kind of stuff and trying to kind of affirm their identity, which I think can be helpful. Absolutely. I, I think, I think the way through the way in is to, is to do it with action, you know, do it with habits, just identify what kinds of habits that you want to build to build the picture of this new identity and focus on that, the action side. So you don't even need to think about it too much. You just need, you just need to create a system that points you towards a sequence of, of actions that start building this new picture of who you could be. So if, if you have a problem with getting really angry at what, you know, specific things people say, then you can, you can craft a system that starts building a new identity, um, a new identity of a karma you, which is absolutely possible. And that would look something like, let's go through this week, um, perhaps taking notes on how we responded to the people around us in our family. And because there's that awareness on it and that note taking, you're going to, it's a bit of a tricky one, but you're going to more likely judge less, be triggered less and, and breathe more in those crucial moments when you need to relax. And that's going to slow the, the more of that you do, it's going to feed into that identity, that identity loop. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of people go like that, the idea of affirmations, right? Like well, a lot of people think that oh, I'm going to, I'm going to affirm that I am this kind of person, have no, no action to back it up. And then I'm just going to be that person and achieve the goal. Yeah. But rather the only way to achieve anything in life is to make action your default, right? The only way to, to change into a new identity to, to, to reach that next level of your life is to let go of who you think you are and take the actions as though you've already, you already are the person you need to be to achieve the goal. That's right. It. Yeah. For, I, I want to know, cause I know that like mental health is something and I was going through your, your website and, and really going even deep into who you are going from someone that is insecure to someone that is just confident in themselves and continuously showing up online. I want to know what mental health means to you. Mental health for me is something that's a default in, in all of us, mm -hmm. but that's something that's taken me a while to, to realize. It's not something that we need to get to. It's not something that we need to um, take specific actions to realize in ourselves. It's already there when we just let go for a minute, for a second. So when we allow our minds to still and our thoughts that were previously circling around, um, I suppose, interfering with our presence, 
right they subside that's when you start that's when you realize mental health mental mental health mental mental wellness and somebody said this the other day i can't remember who it was but he said that you know even even um people in psychiatric wards you know mental patients right. who would be diagnosed as mentally ill even they have lucid moments i think that's really interesting because then it becomes a thing about we're all going through a kind of um we're all kind of moving up and down through the sort of mental um is it mental health i suppose like consciousness is another thing yeah we can we can be kind of wrapped up in our in our thinking and respond irrationally to the world which is absolutely what happens a lot and there can be more lucid moments where we where we're relaxed we're in a kind of creative flow maybe we're playing tennis and we're just chill and we're happy that's that's mental health right there and you might you might experience depression either side of that tennis game but when you're in that moment of flow you you can ex anyone can experience mental wellness yeah it it is achieving that flow state right i think that's why we find so much fulfillment in doing creative work i think everyone has some kind of creative work whether that's a sport or a job or whatever that comes down to you have to find something that allows you to get into flow and kind of disregard time in itself and just be yeah. where you are completely was there yeah. was there a book or a practice that kind of instilled that into your mind i mean the big one i think that a lot of people can relate to is power of now i mean eckhart has to take a lot of credit for his yeah i was thinking his um, amazing work of building a mass huge career on repeatedly telling people to stay present right <laughs> it's so simple but no, let's do it we needed someone to really drive the point home <laughs> repeat and he's right and he he was great like he there's so much to it you can write books on it you know just ultimately it's a very simple thing but it's very difficult for a lot of people to find isn't it the power of presence and how we can get wrapped up in our thinking and how our thinking can get in the way of our joy yeah there was a there's a part of that book where that was one of the most impactful books in my life i read that so many times and mm -hmm. There's a part of it that talks pretty much that 90% of our suffering in life is self-inflicted. And when I took that into perspective and I like really sat with it and I thought about all the frustration and overwhelm and stress and anxiety and all the things that we, we really place upon ourselves, I thought about it and it, it changed the direction of my life forever. It really, it was so impactful for me. And I think that that is exactly so important to recognize that like there's no tomorrow there's no yesterday there only is today and the the stress is something that you're thinking about happening right like it's something we create in our minds the overthinking kind of pattern yeah. is, is is there a practice that you do to kind of keep you in the moment other than other than creative work because i know that that has to be writing threads has to get you into that flow state that's a yeah that's a great one it's the reason i found a way to really fall in love with it is because it does allow me to spend considerable amounts of time just in in flow creating and um not getting wrapped up in other thoughts so absolutely yeah creative pursuits you know hiking and walking is, is obviously a big one i do a lot of walking but that's not to say that you can't be you know you can't spend more of the time um and i wouldn't say that necessarily you know being totally 100 percent present is is the thing that we all need to be doing with you know i think it's it's obviously helpful i don't know where i'm quite going with this one because can can you imagine if you if you if you could figure out a way to be 100% present all the time i don't think you'd be human i think there's got to be some understanding that we're going to fall into lower levels of consciousness here and there but Absolutely. i suppose yes if you if you if you kind of incorporate 
more flow inducing hobbies and sports and things like walking into your into your day it's kind of like you're communicating with yourself that this is a good thing and that you know the benefits that come out of that stuff will flow into other things and i suppose you'll find yourself becoming automatically more conscious and higher level consciousness and more present more of the stuff you do so yeah um but as i said it's not to say that you can't focus on what you're doing in the moment no matter what it is and find a way to enjoy it as well it doesn't need to be something creative and glamorous it can be washing the dishes you know um and that's that's been really helpful too like the the idea that you can enjoy whatever it is you that you've got in front of you no matter how seemingly um mundane it is and boring like you can turn it into something fun and if you're having fun with something then you know that you're getting closer to presence anyway so more of that stuff yeah, 100%. 100%. I think that like, we, we are able to make really anything more enjoyable through our when we change our perspective, or we change the meaning we place on it. I used to hate cooking, for example, and despised every second of it. And I yeah. just I did a bunch of uh, cooking yesterday to meal prep. And it took about an hour and a half, but I like just sat there and didn't have nothing in my head. But it was just doing the thing. And it was like, I found some kind of enjoyment of doing it. I think that's what right. I find so impactful for me. They're like, the mo I'm, I'm so present. That I, I, mm. I find a whole state, even listening to an audiobook and going on a walk and just taking notes on it is like, I, if I could do that all day, I'd do it all day. You know what I mean? Mm. So that, that's something that's really big for me. That's great. And it, yeah, if you can apply that perspective to other stuff, then you really, you really nailed it. I would say, I would say if we were to look at like, what's the, what's the like total opposite of presence? For me, it's resistance. If you're resisting life in any way, if you're kind of, you know, kind of annoyed about stuff and, and, and complaining about stuff that that's a pretty good indication that you're, you're not present or you're, you're spending less of your time in presence. Um, mm -hmm. um, so it's been really helpful also to think of it in those terms. So if I resist less and just let go of what's going on, let go to reality, surrender to reality a bit more, then you're going to automatically fall into presence. You don't even need to try to be present. Like there was a phase that I went through where I was thinking too much. I think about trying to be present and it can be a bit, yeah. Like you're kind of like, oh yeah, trying, you know, trying, you're sort of tightening up to be present. I think that could be hard work. But exactly. what really helped me, I think, was also just if something bothers you, find a way to just sort of ease into it. Mm -hmm. as, again, as a habit, um, with you know, instead of clenching up and 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 responding and reacting to stuff, that's that's huge. You know, if you can do more of that, and I I think that's that's what it's all about. It's about not necessarily overnight like that becoming, you know, a new, a, a Jedi with presence and just being amazing. Right. I think it's a, it's about doing more of that kind of stuff. You know, that that's, that's when you start moving in the right direction. Yeah. Just like right. anything. Yeah. Just like anything we talk about in this podcast, it's, it's a continuous process. Like there's, there's never an end date. There's never a time where we, we, we drop the foundations because the foundations make up everything else. Right. Yeah. Um, I want to know what was one thing that you wish you knew at the beginning of your career, not only in business, but in your self-improvement journey as well. Um, good question. <laughs> one thing I wish I knew that I now know that I yeah, wish I knew at the beginning of my journey. Good question. I would say, I mean, a lot of it's like, the stuff I think about a lot is the stuff that we've been talking about, 
in this conversation. I think these are the ideas that tend to lie upstream from where a lot of people tend to go. So if you have struggles in your business and stuff, a lot of people tend to go, kind of go downstream and look at, you know, what's wrong with my boss or what's wrong with how I'm interacting with people in, in meetings and am I doing this right? Am I communicating with the right words and, and, and word usage and whatever it is, that's all sort of downstream, more, slightly more superficial stuff. Ooh. What's really been helpful for me is remembering to go, um, is it down? Yeah, upstream. Upstream is where it's closer to the source where the kinds of stuff that happens upstream tend to ripple out into everything and tend to have a positive effect. If you're, if you're putting your attention on helpful things upstream. So when we talk about stuff like being present and spending more of our time, not resisting and just being okay with the present, that's, that stuff's been huge. And that, those are the big lessons for me. It's stuff like that. It's consciousness. It's being present. It's in finding ways to enjoy what you're doing. It all kind of falls under the same label. It's all kind of yeah. like it's all, essentially all consciousness, having more awareness. Um, I would say the big thing for me is the futility of worrying too much. If we had to define it, you know, it's very easy to think that spending time worrying is somehow exerting some control over our lives and that's going to be a good thing, but it, it never is. Cause you just end up feeling terrible Yeah, and, um, worrying more. So. I would probably tell that to my younger self is, you know, if you feel like you want to worry, then go for a walk and just be okay with the idea that you don't necessarily need to know right now. Mm -hmm. That's it. I think, I think the, the ability, like you said, a lot of, we create, again, we create a lot of resistance in our lives because we feel as though worrying gives us a sense of control over the situation before it happens. But yeah. as, I've always loved the quote, overthinking is creating problems that don't yet exist. Mm -hmm. And, the more sure. we focus on them, the more attention we give to them, the more likely they're going to happen. It's like driving a car, trying not to hit a tree, but you're focusing on the tree. You're going to hit the tree, dude. You're going to hit the tree. Yeah. And and the more you worry that that is a, it's a learned habit. I believe it is definitely a learned habit. Something that I learned growing up and it's something that I am continuously unlearning in my life. Mm. That would be it's a big one. Yeah, for sure. Like, and you're right. Like worrying is constantly being kind of encouraged surreptitiously in our lives by, you know, we see it with our parents doing it. We see our teachers doing it and yeah. it seems to be the solution, but it, it really isn't. Yeah. It's been catastrophizing as well. My, my, yeah. my, my mom's a, my mom's a worrier and uh, she, she, she gave that to me and I, Hey, I'm, I'm letting go of it day by day. Cause that's something that it's, it's again, it's creating resistance where there really doesn't need to be and the ability to right. let is something that's so powerful in the world. And you're going to find a lot more enjoyment, a lot more fulfillment in where you are. If you accept that it's exactly where you're supposed to be. I'm before, like I said, I was recording some solo episodes. And I think that a lot of the time we can feel behind in life because we place this, these false expectations that we're never going to live up to thinking that we should be further along, not really recognizing that where we are is exactly where we're supposed to be. And mm -hmm. the only reason that we're, we, we think we're not is because we, we place the idea that we aren't. And the ability to let go of that idea, that, that mindset, uh, is something that's so powerful. I think, especially in the world today where hustle culture is something that's so pressed on us that, yep. we, that we need to really let go of that belief in its entirety. Mm. Totally, man. Yeah. Yeah. And people have difficulty kind of taking on board the idea that being okay with things as they are and, and knowing that this is where you need to be mm -hmm. seems to, it seems quite kind of 
almost passive to people like oh you should be taking more action than that you should be digging deeper than that you can't just be accepting everything as it comes along but the, the thing that really helped me in understanding why that really is true and why that really is valuable is the idea that when we can kind of fully accept what's going on and relax as a result of that mm-hmm. acceptance that surrender to what's happening and not apply all this additional self-pressure and not worry ourselves into you know disease over what's happening in our lives is that when we're relaxed we come up with the best solutions the best ideas the best insights our performance skyrockets so if people are looking for business growth you want to be coupling that with being relaxed and enjoying yourself through the process because when you're relaxed performance increases your mind opens up you have better better insights that come up on what you need to do so that's been really helpful for me yeah, the I like living with quotes because it gives me a, like a framework in my mind. And one of my favorite is that your professional development will never exceed your personal development. And if if we focus too much on the business, if we focus too much on trying to work and trying to to create something, that's where things don't work out because we're mm-hmm. creating too much resistance where there's already resistance. And and a, a belief that is something that I think again we're we're kind of pushed onto is that more work equals more results. But in the grand scheme of things, when we when we are really, truly clear on the right things, it doesn't have to be 24 hours of work, it can be four hours of work, but actually intentional work. And I know that one of, one of your biggest threads was um, 14 uh, secrets about productivity, no? And, and that's probably a part of it, no? Absolutely, yeah. That was a big element in the thread, and it was a big part of the thread's creation as well, is that I relaxed into the creation of the thread. And I think that's why a lot of the reason why it's did so well is because it was kind of written from another place. It wasn't really written by logical Alex. It was written by dropped shoulders, relaxed, joyful Alex, who'd had one too many coffees. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and it's, it, it, it always aligns. It always works out that way. You know, whenever I've written my best pieces, whenever I've had the best solutions come up for me in my business and found things that have really connected and resonated, it's always been out of a more relaxed, hopeful state. So there's a lot to be said, absolutely, for personal development, um, realizing your own default mental health, finding ways back to that, as opposed to running in the opposite direction, thinking that you'll find mental health somewhere else. That's another conversation. That's sort of for another conversation, isn't it? Like it all, it all overlaps, you know, but yeah. Yeah, I think the, the when we try to create something, right? When we try to, like you said before, when you try to create more presence, that's where you even get worse. You you overthink more, you worry more because you're trying to create something that just has to happen. I think yeah. when we let when we let it happen, we soak into where we are, right? We drop our shoulders, we drop our forehead, and we just be where we are. I think that that that's, that's what creates a lot of um, fulfillment yeah. where we are, and, and um, getting getting back to creating cool stuff ultimately. Yeah, like that's really it. It's like the best, you know, you're going to find your mental health when you have stopped worrying about mental health and focus on creating cool shit. A hundred percent. It all comes back down to action. I think that that's, that's really what I, what I want this to be about. And I want to know, um, to kind of end this off, what belief are you currently unlearning? Mm, it's a really difficult one to, to end on. Cause I, I mean, I, yeah, there's, there's, there's all kinds of stuff that's still running through, isn't there? Um, 
I think that's what it's what it's what it's all about. Life is is kind of a lot of a lot of life is about seeing those beliefs come up and seeing the value in being able to observe what comes up. For me, gosh, I really don't know. Um, yeah, that's that's tricky. I think I've worked through a lot of stuff that was holding me back. You know, kind of personally, beliefs that I'm still working through. You really stumped me on this one. This is not <laughs> not an easy one. So, what what belief am I currently working through? What belief are you currently unlearning? Yeah, unlearning. That's why we ended. That's why I, this is going to be the the foundational question. It's a really good question, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listeners, for keeping you waiting. But I know, right? You're so fun. Um, yeah, that's really difficult. I would say. It's probably, I think one of the issues that I'm struggling with right now is that I want to do so much and I tend to take on more than I can handle. Yeah. But I'm also realizing that a lot of that is down to what I think I should do and what I th what think society demands of me is that we should all be focused and totally niched down and that kind of stuff. And that tends to bring me a lot of stress. So I'd say that, that there could be some interesting beliefs operating inside of that. So I'd say... I would say the belief that you need to be doing just one thing to succeed is the one I'm trying to unlearn because every time I settle on, I can do a few things. I always feel good. I always feel it, it feels right in my instinct. And I think it feels right because I know that these things are going to feed into each other in a positive way. I know it's a little bit, bit of a convoluted response to that, but for me, it's you can do a handful of things and make it work. Yeah. That, no, that's, it wasn't even, I, I think that's a really good answer. I think that, that it is, it is fed on us again, uh, that we need to kind of go with what society's doing, but the ones that stand out the most. And the reason that I wanted you on this podcast is because you stand out for a reason. And that reason is you're not one thing, right? And, and mm -hmm. the people that, that are broad in, in everything start off with one thing. You started off with being an illustrator and now you're, you're an author, you're a prolific writer, you're an online creator. And you've, you've done that because it makes sense for you to do into multiple different aspects. And if, you have multiple different gifts and, and things that you can help others with. It's really doing a disservice by focusing on one thing. No. Mm. Yeah. Nicely said that, that makes me feel a lot better as well, by the way. <laughs> well, man, I'm, I'm, figuring that out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I think a lot of us can put pressure on ourselves thinking that we should, we, we need to do things in a certain way because other people are doing them that way. I think the, the real thing in all this is knowing that if it works for you, it works for you and being okay with that. And, um, there's, there's knowing that there's all kinds of societal pressures and forces and other, you know, things that we think we should be doing, but only really hold us back. So ultimately you want to, you want to do what resonates with yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, there's so there's going to be something more profound coming after that, but I think we'll leave it there. That was no, yeah, no, I'm I'm so grateful for you coming on the show, man, and it was it was an absolute pleasure for for having you on, and I'm I'm grateful to be connected and to stay connected. Uh, where can where can my audience find you? Uh, best place would probably be my website, so alexmavers.net, m-a-t-h-e-r-s.net. So that has that's kind of like my online hub. You might be be interested in uh, following me on Twitter at uh, alexmavers84 is my handle on Twitter and you'll be able to find me through Google otherwise as well. Your, your medium is, is amazing as well. I can, I'll, I'll, I'll vouch for you on that, but, uh, I'm, I'm grateful to have you on and, and thank you for coming on the show, brother. My pleasure, man. Thank you. All right. All right. Stopping it now.